0: a blessing today and that uh, you will draw closer to God. There are probably many people, including me, who might question whether or not I need my head examined for being willing to bring you this message on a Sunday after Pastor John's departure. My wife even left town. (laughs) So, seriously, She had an opportunity to go visit her sister in Houston and couldn't pass it up. I really felt God impressing it on me that this is one of those Sundays when you need to be hearing from one of your own rather than an outsider. Plus I have other information to share with you. I'm going to upset the apple cart a little this morning and do something most of you have never been asked to do. I'm going to start out with some audience participation. Oh, that sounds scary, doesn't it? Obviously, over the last few weeks and maybe months, every one of us has had to deal with some emotions and feelings. For those of you who are brave enough to do it, and I trust that there are those in our midst, I would like to ask you to share one word that would describe an emotion or feeling you have experienced relating to recent events at First Baptist Church. Who wants to go first? Okay. have to speak louder, or I can't hear you. Oh. Okay. Okay, anything else? Thank you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm writing these down so I don't forget them. Somebody else. Yes, thank you. Okay, anything else? Thank you. Any other bracelet? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I can assure you that every one of these feelings is adequate, is meaningful, and has bearing on what has been going on here. I pray that each one of us will find a way to deal with them as we proceed through this transition. This morning, I'm going to share with you Two words that keep coming to me you've already seen them yes I know I asked for you to only share one but I'm standing up here and I got the mic so I'm doing two okay those words are anticipation and expectation I hope you recognize that both of these words point to the future and what is before us anticipation is defined in the dictionary as to wait expectantly. Well, that certainly helped a lot, didn't it? When I picture someone experiencing anticipation, I see them sitting on the edge of their chair, anxiously awaiting for an event to begin, standing in a doorway watching for an arrival, unable to focus on anything else, or trying to go about everyday activities or work, While their mind is racing ahead to an exciting event, I really hope that in the midst of this transition, you are doing some of that. I know I am, and I know that the members of the search committee are anxiously awaiting your response to the arrival of the man we believe God has chosen to lead us. In the Old Testament, there are plenty of examples of the Jewish people anticipating and waiting for God to move. For 400 years, the Israelites had lived in Egypt. They weren't always slaves, but when their numbers grew so large that they became a threat, the Egyptians saw the handwriting on the wall and moved to enslave them rather than have them take over. They waited hundreds of years before Moses responded to God's call to lead them to freedom. Later, while in captivity in Babylon, they waited 70 years for God to take them home. Again, the Jewish people waited hundreds of years for the fulfillment of the prophecies relating to the come, the coming of the longed-for Messiah. The prophet Jeremiah is probably one of the most disrespected prophets in the Bible. In his 40 years as a prophet, he was thrown into prison and into a cistern, taken to Egypt against his will, rejected by his neighbors, his family, the false priests and prophets, his friends, by his audience and the kings. By the world's standards, Jeremiah was a miserable failure. When he spoke, nobody listened. When he consistently and passionately urged the people of Judah to act, nobody moved. Jeremiah stood alone, declaring God's messages of doom, announcing the new covenant, and weeping over the fate of his beloved country. In the midst of all of this, Jeremiah shared God's promise of restoration, and they still ignored him. I want to share that promise with you today and hope you recognize how wonderfully it applies to us here and now. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14a says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me in earnest, you will find me when you seek me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Since last October, I know many of you have been faithful in your prayers, asking God to lead us to the man he had already chosen to stand in the pulpit and lead the people of this church. Right here, in his word, he promises In those days when you pray, I will listen. Since starting our work in earnest in January, the search committee has been seeking his will and direction. Again, here in his word, he promises, if you look for me in earnest, you will find me. We've been standing on those promises, and I believe he has delivered. His plans for us are for good, to give us a future and a hope. Many of you may have recognized the passage Jerry read at the opening of the service. It is the same message from Philippians that was used last week. I didn't do this to copy Pastor John. I actually had this scripture written down a couple weeks ago as one I wanted to use today. Please listen while I repeat some of these awesome words from Paul written to the church at Philippi. I'm going to start with Philippians 1 verses 3 through 6. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. I always pray for you, and I make my my requests with a heart full of joy because you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm sure that God, who began the good work in you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. Verses 9 through 11 say, I pray that your love for each other will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in your knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, those good things that are produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. I particularly like what Paul says in verses 9 through 11, because they point to the future. Keep on growing in your knowledge and understanding for I want you to understand what really matters. In a previous church where we were members for over, over 33 years ago, we frequently sang a wonderful song written by Steve Green based on these verses from Philippians. It almost became our theme song, and I want to share those words with you this morning. He who began a good work in you He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Will be faithful to complete it. He who started the work will be faithful to complete it in you. If the struggle you're facing is slowly replacing your hope with despair, or the process is long and you're losing your song in the night, you can be sure that the Lord has his hand on you. Safe and secure, he will never abandon you. You are his treasure, and he finds his pleasure in in you. I love the closing stanza. You can be sure that the Lord has his hand on you. Safe and secure, he will never abandon you. You are his treasure, and he finds his pleasure in you. As I meditated on this particular passage of scripture, it occurred to me that it has a much broader meaning than we are perhaps giving it right now. As it applies to this church, it is very tempting to read it as, And I'm sure that God, who began the good work within you 34 years ago, will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Jesus Christ comes back to you. I am in no way discounting the work that has been done in and through this church and Pastor John in the last 34 years. But I challenge you to look at it another way. Listen. And I'm sure that God, who began the good work within you 136 years ago, will continue his work until it is finally finished. On August 18th, 1883, seven, just seven, dedicated, hopeful, and courageous people organized First Baptist Church, the third oldest church in Sterling. The work that was started that day 136 years ago is still in the process of being completed today. We are being challenged to step out in faith, just as they did so long ago, and move forward doing the work he has given us to do. I would like to share with you some of the process we as a search committee have been through over the last 10 months. We held our first official meeting as a committee on January 10th. Since that time, we have met approximately 35 times. I lost count a couple of meetings ago. All of those meetings were at least two hours in length, and a couple of those occurred on Saturdays and evolved four or five hours when we conducted telephone interviews. By March 1st, we had developed an application website that was posted on six sites nationwide, including Denver Seminary, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and the American Baptist Churches of the USA. In total, we received 46 inquiries or applications, which included resumes that were read carefully by all the individuals on the committee. From those 46, we selected 15 who were sent 10 written interview questions. Once those were received and carefully read, we narrowed the field down to seven for telephone interviews we interviewed some very qualified and interesting candidates thanks to technology we were able to see and listen to candidates preach without having to schedule pulpit visits in the end we conducted two personal interviews one in July and one in September the candidates were invited to sterling to see the town and this facility we had a dinner meeting with each and we conducted face to face interviews approximately two hours in length that is a very brief and condensed version of our procedure it doesn't take into account numerous emails back and forth with the candidates some additional telephone conversations and hours spent contacting and verifying references. It also doesn't take into account the countless hours of prayer and study by the individuals who composed this committee. I'm so proud to have chaired this devoted group of individuals who have gone above and beyond the call issued to them in January. Along the way, we have experienced tragedy Sickness, job challenges, and changes, and sacrifice family time while all the while supporting one another. Excuse me. This church owes a debt of gratitude to Brett Rye, Connie France, Mona Bowie, Mike Hutz, Sherry Petardi, Lindy Barnhill, Sherry Dorney, and Don Gibbs. Unfortunately, Don had to leave the committee halfway through due to a move to a Pueblo for a new job, but he was a valuable contributor in his time with us. During the developmental stages of our application website, it was necessary for the committee to develop a list of ministry expectations for a senior pastor. And I'm gonna share those with you. First, we identified the principal function of the pastor The pastor is to be the spiritual leader of the church. He is responsible to the Lord and to the church to proclaim the gospel, teach the Bible, engage in pastoral care, and provide supervisory leadership in all areas. Our ministry expectations are communicate a comprehensive understanding of the Bible and Christian theology through effective preaching and teaching Consistent with the church's statement of faith. Study the Bible, pray, and commit to listening for the Holy Spirit's leading on a consistent basis. Provide by word and presence an empathetic understanding of and concern for people in the joys of life, as well as the crises and transitions, giving pastoral assistance and guidance where appropriate and feasible. Motivate and support parishioners in discovering and using their ministry and spiritual gifts, not only in the life of the church, but in their personal lives. Seek to lead people to make decisions for Christ and encourage their commitment to and participation in the local church. Lead members into turning vision into reality. Provide opportunities for individuals, couples, families, and groups to enter into healing relationships could you take on all of those things we're asking for a man of special talent these expectations have been incorporated into a job description along with accountability requirements a list of key responsibilities administrative duties and guidelines for personal care growth and recreation next sunday You will have an opportunity to meet and hear from the man we feel can fulfill these expectations and be an effective leader. This last week, you received a letter from the Pastoral Search Committee outlining the procedure and schedule for next Sunday. As we've done every month since starting the process, I'm going to share that letter with you in order to guarantee that all of you have heard the same information whether you open your mail or not. Reminded you of that every month, I think. The Pastoral Search Committee is very pleased to announce that we are ready to present a candidate for approval by the members of FBC to be our next pastor. As announced in both services on Sunday, October 13th, we will be hosting this pastoral candidate on Sunday, October 27th, next week. This is the date already scheduled for our annual business meeting. So it will be a full day of important activities. We encourage all of you to be present to participate and meet a very special man. At this time, the schedule for that Sunday includes introducing the candidate and having him preach at both services. Following the second service, a potluck dinner is already planned. At approximately 1215 this will provide an opportunity for you to meet and visit briefly with our candidate and his wife the annual business meeting will convene at approximately 1 p.m. once the annual business meeting has been concluded we will reconvene here in the church sanctuary to take a vote to issue an official call to the candidate we would like to begin that voting meeting at 2 p.m. If there are any changes to the planned schedule, we will notify you in advance. I know the Broncos play at 2 30. If you miss the first part of the first quarter, it ain't going to change the outcome of the game, okay? According to our church constitution, the actual vote to call a pastor is limited to eligible resident members. The Constitution identifies an eligible voter as a member who has been regular in attendance at the worship or Sunday school of the church for the previous six months or since becoming a member, whichever is less and are aged 15 years or older. The actual voting will be by written ballot, and ballots will only be issued to eligible voters. Once a favorable vote is cast, a contract will be signed and arrangements will be made for the pastor's arrival and official starting date. The church constitution further indicates that at least 51% of the active resident members must be present and voting, and a favorable vote of two-thirds of those members present and qualified to vote shall be necessary to extend a call. A careful search of church records has been conducted already. Currently, we have identified 122 eligible resident members, meaning at least 63 will need to be present at the meeting to conduct a vote. We cannot stress strongly enough the importance of your presence at this meeting. The Pastoral Search Committee has taken on the task, presented to them very seriously. Since January 1st, many hours have been spent in meetings and countless hours have been devoted to prayer before making this decision. Our hope is that you will feel, as we do, that the man you will be meeting on October 27th is the man God has called First Baptist Church. Please continue to pray diligently as we near the end of this phase of the process and step forward into all that God has planned for us and this community. In closing, I want to repeat something I shared with you when I spoke on June 9th. We have everything we need to face the future if we hold on tightly to the Lord's resources. We have been given a solid foundation on which to build. We have the word of God to guide us. We have been given the gifts we need by the Holy Spirit to help us do the work he has called us to do. And we have one another, a solid family of believers who can encourage one another, admonish one another when needed, and love one another through this time of change and transition. So, here we are. Are you sitting on the edge of your seat yet? I hope so. Are you eagerly anticipating next Sunday and the ones after that? All I can say, is buckle up. We're ready, getting ready to take off. Thank you.